Welcome to Snappa Shots, conversations with practicing professional and applied anthropologists. Let's meet our next guest. Hi, my name is Esha Lewis. My pronouns are she and her. I am a black woman. I have dark brown skin and curly black hair. I'm wearing light brown rimmed glasses and a blue and black dress. I'm a sociocultural anthropologist and I'm affiliated with Sapiens Magazine. I'm a project director there and I also sit on the board of directors of Vida Afro-Latina, which is a uh, US-based NGO. How did you get interested in anthropology? Um, you know, unfortunately, I don't actually have a very romantic story about, you know, seeing anthropology across the room and falling in love. Um, I suppose I was one of those people who was doing anthropology before I knew I was doing it. Um, I was always really interested in the African diaspora. I spent a lot of time asking questions about my family. Um, and then, you know, over time, that also became a focus of study for me. Um, and during the end of my undergraduate program at the University of Toronto, I was in Latin American Studies program, um, and I won a grant, and I went to Peru to work with the Afro-Peruvian community for about a month. And when I got to my master's program, um, I had to pick a specialty um, because it was a multidisciplinary uh, program, Latin American Studies. Um, and I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't know what it was, how it would be classified. And so I was explaining to our program director, you know, what I was interested in and what excited me and what I wanted to do. And he said, that sounds like anthropology. And I said, is anthropology going to let me do what I want to do? And he said, yes. And that's how I became aware that I guess I was interested in anthropology. Um, yeah, it was kind of like a doing before naming experience for me. How has the anthropological perspective or training enhanced your contribution to your workplace? The kind of anthropology that I practice, and by that I mean the kind of principles that I take into consideration when I am, you know, in the field doing research, um, really revolve a lot around establishing a rapport based on respect and on really trying to understand people and why they think the way they do. And so when I went to Sapiens and first worked there as a fellow, a lot of my work was around art, so selecting art um, for the, the pieces that we, we were producing, thinking about which pieces we want to republish, thinking about Spanish translations. And so all of that work required me to think very empathetically about humans, about their human experience, about how we can represent people visually um, in ways that are dignified, um, in ways that are true to their experience. Um, and then currently as a project director, a lot of what I do is creating programming, which um, you know doesn't necessarily sound very sexy and also sounds kind of nebulous. Um, but really what I'm trying to do is think about the kind of experience we want the fellows in the program to have. So I run a fellowship program that teaches um, anthropologists, early career anthropologists generally, um, public science writing and podcasting skills. And so what I'm thinking about there is how people interact with each other, what kind of conditions do I need to offer so that people feel like they can tell their stories well, that they can receive the kind of training that makes sense to them, that they have a program that has 
you know, a flow that makes sense, that they feel like they're supported. And so sometimes I suppose what's anthropological about that isn't immediately obvious, but I'm really thinking about the experience of an early career anthropologist, what it's like to come out of grad school, right? And that's something that I take from my you know, own lived experience of getting out of grad school and saying, I'm really interested in sharing what I'm doing with the public. I don't know how to do that. Um, there are things that I want to bring with me from academia. There are things I want to leave behind. So what kind of atmosphere can I create understanding that experience um, and knowing what that's like? How can I create a space where people feel like they can thrive, um, where the people who are behind the scenes working and teaching also feel like they have the conditions they need in order to teach as best they can. So that is immediately how that shows up um, in my work as a as a um, advisor for the NGO. Um, I spend a lot of time thinking about funding, how we fund, how we support Black women's work in Latin America, the kind of cultural differences that exist that we need to be aware of. So, you know, something like banking, banking systems in Brazil look very different from the way they look here. Racism plays into that. The kind of regional differences that, um, you know, Black women experience in their work, um, eradicating sexual violence or supporting Black women who are also experiencing that violence. I do a lot of thinking about how um, the NGO can offer support, how we can create a horizontal relationship or try to, you know, break down a lot of those hierarchical structures that um, have maintained the system of, you know, we're benevolent and we give, how do we create um, a partnership, right, where we're, we're really respecting one another and listening to one another so that we can, everyone can meet their goal. Um, so, so those are the kinds of those are kinds of aspects of anthropology that I'm bringing into both my work at the magazine and also, you know, on, on the board where I work. What was one thing about anthropology that nobody told you as a student? I don't think I really understood how lonely it can be sometimes. Um, I don't think anyone really told me how difficult it can be, right, to like advocate for yourself. And this is probably talking more about like you know, cultures as well, right? But like, I think both anthropology and academia, but also I would say more so um, like if if you have these anthropological principles that you are using to conduct work in the workplace or, you know, running your own business or whatever, you can, you can become unpopular, right? Like a lot of what I was saying, like I was saying about, you know, coursework or speaking up when I thought a theory wasn't gonna work, that applies to other aspects of life too. Like people just generally don't like someone pointing out the flaws in their plan, especially when they're really excited about them. Um, and so it can be hard to, you know, I've had to figure out how to deliver some news that someone isn't gonna like, right? Um, I think I had to learn how to use the clout I had to do good. Um, you know, whether that was while I was doing my field research and feeling like, okay, I've got the support of a U.S. institution. That means it's going to mean a lot if I go to the government of this country I'm working in and I say, listen, I need access to this because I'm trying to do research, you know, being well, like being aware of the leverage I have and the privilege that I have and being willing to do what I have to do to use that privilege for the good of the people that I'm working with or for the good of a project that is going to do good for others. Um, but yeah, it, it can be, it can be very, um, you can be unpopular when you're pointing out like the things that nobody else wants to talk about or nobody else wants to learn. Um, 
And it can also turn you into the person that everyone comes to, which can be great, but can also be a large responsibility, right? Like when people feel like, oh, this person is open to talking about things that other people aren't seeing. And, you know, I thought it was just me, but it's you too. That's great. But then sometimes you're like, oh my gosh, now everybody wants to talk to me about all of this stuff. And I very much lean into my identity as like, an, you know, when people talk about like anthropologists as gossips, like professional gossips. I love that. Um, but it, yes, so there, there are some downsides to that where you're like, now I know a bunch of stuff and I'm just walking around knowing all of this stuff. Uh, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but can be. Um, so I guess that's both a positive and a negative. But, um, you know, when you have a, like, my door is open policy, people are probably going to use it from time to time, right? What advice would you like to pass on to future anthropologists seeking roles in professional fields? I would really like those anthropologists to know that they have a lot to offer. Um, I think that, you know, organizations like NAPA exist for that reason. You know, like if anthropologists didn't really have anything to offer, then I don't think we would work so hard to try to set people up to offer that, right? Um, I think it's really important to figure out how to translate your skills, right? Like figuring out not only for, for a resume, but for you to be able to feel confident in saying, I am capable of doing whatever it is that I'm capable of doing. And I also think, you know, a lot of us are trained again in an environment where we just, we're expected to know everything. Like even if you don't, then you should know how to fake it really well. Um, but I think there is a great benefit. And I learned this from one of my professors of, I think what makes a great professional is someone who knows how to to identify the, the, the limits of their knowledge. So also not being afraid to say, I don't know. I don't have that skill yet. I can get that skill. This is something that I can acquire because I have a history of doing that. Like really looking at the times that you push yourself through something or you learned something new or you were able to adapt to a new environment. Like those are skills that don't sound like skills, but they really are skills and they're very important. Um, so really being able to have the confidence in yourself to say, I don't know, but I know how to find out. Um, that does a lot. It, it takes a lot of pressure off of you to have to just know things that you have no business knowing or you wouldn't have known if you, you know. Um, and I think it's also the, the most honest and transparent way to to move through the world, right? Is to just be really clear or try to be clear about what you don't know because that gives you a place to start working from, right? You're not expected to be, you know, 100% qualified for every job you apply for because then what would be the point? Why would you want a job you totally know how to do, right? So I think really maintaining the curiosity and being willing to say what you know and what you don't know and being willing to open yourself to the possibilities of finding out. Thank you, Eshe, for sharing your experience as a practicing sociocultural anthropologist. For more snapshots, find us at practicinganthropology.org, Meta, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Join NAPA at the Careers Expo, November 17th in Toronto, Canada. See you there. I like a situation where everybody learns something and if you're not gonna learn anything there, I mean, that's useful for a time, but if you're anything like me, your brain is gonna rot, right? When you're just kind of like, okay, I got it. There's no glory in that, there's no satisfaction. I'm just like, 
endlessly curious and it can be about anything like I'll see a new spoon that I haven't seen before and I'm like what is what's that all about right you just get used to being a pain in somebody's you know like a, a, a thorn in the side of some people but like yeah I think my big lessons were really do no harm and get ready to help out snap the shots